You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Tuesday, August 25th, 2020. I'm your host, John B. from gangrenenation.com. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to it on your favorite podcast source and please leave it a good review. On today's show, we're going to continue our Listener Spotlight series, and this is the series where I interview listeners about why they're a Jets fan, and we talk about some of their favorite memories, and it's become one of my favorite series here on the podcast because I want you to think of this show as your show as much as it's my show, and I love hearing your stories. I love meeting you. Once we get into the regular season, we may not have time to do this as frequently, but I hope we will continue this series going forward because it's been a lot of fun this off season speaking to you. And if you want to be a guest on the Listener Spotlight series, feel free to send me a note, and I'm happy to set up some time in the future. But let's jump in today to our show. Joining us today for the latest installment of our Listener Spotlight series is Fred, who comes to us from Pennsylvania. Fred, welcome to the show. Uh, John, thank you very much for having me. Uh, enjoy listening to your show, and uh, you know I had an interest in uh, in participating in this. Well, we're glad to have you. And one of the things Fred mentioned to me when he sent his introductory email is that he he did not grow up near the New York area, yet you became a Jets fan out in Pennsylvania. So how did that happen? Well, that's true. I mean, the the whole Jets fandom in my family it begins with me i'm the main branch of the tree as growing up uh my father uh, was primarily a baseball fan and we always had the radio on listening to the phillies but the jets i really am the one in the family to discover that and of course with my age uh, it was 1965 it, it it does start with joe namath and seeing him on a black and white television, but certainly you could notice the white shoes. And after I saw a game, I would go to my grade school and I ended up with this one friend of mine. We would just talk about what we saw with this guy wearing the white shoes. And uh, Mark Feltz, if you're out there, I'll give you a shout out because that was the friend that I would talk to. And that really was sort of the beginning. I decided right then, eight years old, you know, I'm going to stick around with this team and see what happens. And as it turns out, I mean, I do, did have an uncle that lived in Manhattan. And I guess, you know, after several games or whatever in 1965, I mentioned it to him when families got together. And it turned out he had season tickets to the Jets. Now, maybe back then, you know, the old saying is people have Jet season tickets or those that can't get Giants. I don't really remember that, but nevertheless, my very first game was October of 1966. And when my father and I, that's who I went to the game with, when I set foot in Shea Stadium, oh my goodness, I just, uh, I thought I was just in another world. I just, just couldn't believe it. <clears throat> it was really quite a thrill when I set foot in, in Shea for the very first time. So you were a fan during the Super Bowl run, right? Well, I, I was. You know, I think, you know, 66, I saw a game. 67, I saw one game. That's kind of what my uncle would do. He'd, he'd give my father and I tickets. 68, uh, I remember, and I didn't, I didn't study for this, but I kind of think we saw the Houston Oilers, and I think it might have been after the Heidi game. So I think uh, – 
I kind of saw them get back on the winning ways. But yes, so I was, uh, I just turned 12 when they won the Super Bowl. So what was it like that year? And I, I guess let me backtrack a little bit because you mentioned the Heidi game. So did you see the Heidi game? Did you see, were you watching and then they cut away? They cut away because it was on in Philadelphia. See, that's one thing that made initially following the Jets very easy for me in outside the Philadelphia area. Because first of all, it was the AFL, not the, not the NFL. So NBC was pretty, pretty generous, uh, they were pretty generous to the Jets. So they were on relatively frequently. And, yes, I believe the Heidi game was on. They cut off. But quite honestly, I don't know that, uh, you know, being a school-age kid, I may not have found out until the next day what happened in that, in that game. Um, but I do remember that. And uh, I, the AFL championship game, was on in the Philadelphia area. And am I correct on that? Was that game blacked out in New York? I thought I've, I thought I've heard that over the years, but I'm, I'm not exactly sure about that. So I, I will admit that game was before my time, but I oh. am aware that it was blacked out because I, I've heard stories about people who like from the New York area who like drove to Connecticut and got like hotel rooms so they could watch the game. <laughs> well, yeah, I, obviously, I didn't have the wherewithal to do that at, at a young age. But like I said, that's one, one way it was very easy to follow the Jets at a young age. And in Pennsylvania, they they were pretty uh, – they were on almost well, – maybe my memory's a little skewed, but they were on quite a bit in, in, those, in those days. So do you remember anything about the Super Bowl itself against the Colts? Well, uh I mean, obviously, I've seen the game, so I probably am more accurate in, uh, you know, the the famous quote, I can't say at 12 years old, maybe I was quite aware of that. That might have been something I became more aware of after the fact. Uh, You know, I would watch that with my older brother and my father. We definitely watched the game. And uh, I do think I remember Randy Beverly's first interception um, but I must say, I probably didn't recall that Maynard was basically a decoy that game. That's probably, I probably wasn't aware of that while I was watching the, watching the game. Of course you had no locked on Jets podcast to point that out <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <clears throat> I, w- I was actually just thinking like, I can't imagine like if I was doing this podcast during the Heidi game, like. What I would I would probably have lost my mind if like they cut yeah, away from a game so. with two minutes left. I think you, I think that would have been very entertaining to to listen to you and and among others uh, ranting for for something like that. Well, you know, you're you talk about like watching this game and you're there. Would you say twelve years old? And you're probably thinking, oh, the Jets are going to win plenty plenty more of these in the future, right? That's exactly right. I thought I hitched my wagon to. Uh, you know, a, a team that there would be, uh, you know, many more of them. So obviously the, the falling off the cliff, uh, we all know their history. It, it happened, uh, you know, very quickly. And, uh, but there, there were always players that I, I liked. And I guess I would describe myself as a half glass, half full kind of fan. 
So there was always some reason, even though as they got into the 70s, we don't need to spend too much time on their performance during the 70s. But there were you know, there were fan uh, players that I, that I just uh, enjoyed following. Well, tell us who some of these players were. Well, uh, back in the Super Bowl area, my sister would know this. I had a broken wrist from football, and uh, obviously Namath was popular, as was Maynard Sauer, but I also had a special uh, uh, fondness for Verlin Biggs. So when I had this broken wrist, I would just terrorize her around the house with this broken wrist, you know, like I was this big defensive end. Uh, so he was always one of my favorites, and I was sad to see, uh, you know, him go. So everyone talks about Jamal Adams leaving and such. Well, this trend started back then because, uh, you know, Biggs was one of the players that chose to play out his option. And then it continued. Another favorite of mine was John Riggins. Absolutely loved John Riggins. Oh, my goodness. Just uh, And I still have visions of him just dragging players along as he was running. And the fact that he couldn't retire a Jet, that uh, that probably bothers me more than seeing someone like Jamal Adams uh, leave because he really, obviously, a Hall of Famer, but uh, he was a favorite of mine. And maybe I'm not here in chronological order, but a few others were Richard Castor, uh, tight end, I think, slash wide receiver, and little Eddie Bell. Uh, they were they were other favorites of mine uh, in that early you know seventy time period. <clears throat> were there any any memorable games uh, you went to during that period? And I know it was not a great era of Jets football, but I'm just kind of curious if you have any positive memories from those days. Well, the very first game I went to that I, it's funny you say that, but with all of the COVID. Uh, situation uh you know for a while my wife and i were at home so like we cleaned out like my attic and i did find a handful of my programs from some of my jet games and i didn't exactly go back to the 60s but i found one i think from 72 and that would have been the redskin game but by then verlin biggs was uh already a redskin and the jets lost that game pretty uh one-sided um my oldest sister lived in Baltimore, and she treated me to a game against the Colts. And I had the idea to bring – you couldn't do this now, but I had the idea to bring an air horn to that game. <laughs> it, was, it, was not, it was not the game that Namath, you know, completed 15 passes for 496 yards, but the Jets won that game. And I do remember that after the uh, – the Colts score. I don't recall the score, but when they scored a late touchdown, I offered my air horn to the Colts fan sitting next to me. <laughs> I thought I was pretty decent about that. <laughs> and uh, just trying to think of a few others that uh, I think Shay, the, well, the last game at Shay, to see again, you asked me for good ones. And unfortunately, I'm coming up with all losses. But I did get to go to the playoff game in 81. My uncle had sold his tickets to his dentist. And when I expressed an interest to go, he did give me the phone number of the dentist. So I talked to him. He agreed to let me have his one ticket. Uh, well, one of two, he was going to attend. And I said, well, uh, maybe we could meet at a designated gate 
And I said, well, I have a Jets hat on, so you can tell who I am. I'm going to turn my hat around like a catcher. So I think I started that trend of wearing baseball caps <laughs> like a catcher because, you know, 60,000 New Yorkers see that. They might, uh, they might think that's a good idea. So that's how I uh, attended the 81 game. I always wonder where that trend started. So now I know it was you. <laughs> from Pennsylvania. <laughs> I mean, it worked because obviously uh, he couldn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't mention that he, you know, inquired about a half dozen other fans. So I obviously stood out enough. So I, I kind of take credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to a pretty good era of Jets football, the 80s, the sack exchange days. So tell us some of your memories from those days. Well, that was, that was really like a real renewed uh, interest for me. I mean, I never really gave up on them, but I, I do have a soft spot for Walt Michaels. And I even treat Richard Todd with a little more respect uh, than what many people may, may have. It's just, I really like that team. And, uh, you know, I really, uh, you know, I did I think it is a shame that that team never did win a Super Bowl. Um, you know, I think, the, of course, the old Mud Bowl uh, is well documented, uh, the circumstances with that. Uh, I didn't really see a lot of games in that era. That was mostly TV. But then I also could get the Jets on radio in, uh, you know, when they were on either 880 or 770. So I was able to follow that way. And, of course, the, the sporting news and, and other newspapers. So um that was a really exciting time what was your favorite game from that era either in person or just uh following it from afar well i think that raider game i mean that was uh when when wesley walker caught that pass from todd you know down to what the two-yard line and then Durkin runs it in I, that was just really exciting. And then, you know, Lance Bell with not one but two interceptions. I just, uh, I was on cloud nine after that game. So I'd say even more so than the Bengal game before it, because yeah, maybe if you do recall, with all the teams in the playoffs that year, that game was not televised uh, in our area. I had to listen to that game on the radio. So I would probably say, that uh, I guess they were the Los Angeles Raiders then. That was a really exciting game. I celebrated quite a bit after that one. <laughs> now, if you'd like to celebrate getting low prices on car parts, go to rockauto.com. They always offer the lowest prices possible, and they're for everybody. They do not require membership or account login. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need and a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, rockauto.com prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. 
Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities they operate in safe. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON. Again, that's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDON. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDON, one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. We can then move into the 90s, which was when I started watching the Jets, and we could just, I mean, if you want to fast forward past that, I really don't want to relive those days. I feel like I relived them plenty on this podcast. I mean, if you, if there's anything you now, would like to share about the early nineties, but we can go. We, straight we past could, that. we could, we could skip all that. There really wasn't, uh, there really wasn't much there. They were, I think that's all been well documented with many fans. And, uh, you know, I did not attend, uh, I did not attend any games, um, after 81. So I had a bit of a gap till I uh, got back to seeing them. But uh, we could certainly, I saw a few, I guess, in the late 80s. But yes, we could definitely skip over. 97 was interesting with Parcell. That would be maybe a a better place to go to. Please, please, let's start talking about the Parcells era. Well, we were were thrilled. I mean, the Jets uh, normally aren't fast starters. And I remember the very first game, 97, we were up in Maine on vacation. And uh, we happened to have a satellite TV in our cottage. And I found out that the Jets and the Seahawks were going to be on TV. So my wife, ever supportive, and a fan herself now through marriage. But we watched the Jets just destroy the Seahawks that game. I think it was 41 to three or something like that. And, you know, I don't think Bill Parcells ever quite finished the, the, the whole job, but nevertheless, oh my goodness, to get off to that start, I thought, oh my goodness, we are finally into a new era. Absolutely. I, you know, there are two things that come to mind for me is the first one is, when I was a kid, and this is again like my first few years watching the Jets, whenever the Jets would jump out to like a 17 point lead or a 20 point lead, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop <laughs> because the Jets always blew these games. And I'm breaking my own rule right now, but the Marino fake spike game in 94, I remember I was, I was a kid and the Jets were up 24 6 in that game. And Miami scores a touchdown and my grandparents were over. And it's like, I think it's 24-13 at this point. The Jets are in total control of the game. My, my grandparents are like, well, we don't want to stay here and watch them blow this game. They knew it was an 11-point game. That is, that, is the, that is very true. You always, wait for, you always wait for the other shoe to drop. But that was one game that, you know, uh, 
my recollection, obviously, with the score, they had a command command of that game, and it was very unjet like. So that was a, a great start. Maybe the fact that I was on vacation made it even uh, even better. And then later that season, just since we're on '97, I think these tickets came uh, through my uh, older brother, who was a New Jersey resident, but. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how he got the tickets, but it was two tickets for me and my nephew from the one of the New Jersey state, I think he was a state senator. But anyway, we got to see uh, Tampa Bay and the Jets destroyed them. That was another, um, oh my goodness, I, the score of that was maybe 34 to, I think it was a shutout, 34 nothing or something like that. Otis Smith had a huge uh, game. And then, of course, after that game, we go to Detroit. Well, then we all know what happened then. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Let's not talk about that. You know, I said <laughs> I, had two, I had two memories from that Seattle game. The first one was, was what I was saying. The second one really was it was from preseason. I remember there was some NFL films clip with Parcells, and it talked about, like, how he turned things around. And somebody messed something up and Barcelos just like totally chews the guy out. And I think he yells at the guy. That's why you were one in 15 last year. Make it plays like that. And I remember like sitting there watching it. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. I'm glad he's pointing that, is, that out. You know, that, that is very much so. But you know, he, he certainly is what they needed. And, uh, you know, it's a shame that didn't go end as well either, but boy, that was a, that was an exciting, uh, you know, that was an exciting start. Especially, and then obviously the next year, '98, they mm. fall agonizingly close, short of the Super Bowl. You know that I still remember being up ten nothing in the third quarter in Denver in the AFC Championship game, and I mean, I really thought they were going to the Super Bowl, and unfortunately, it was not meant to be. Well, didn't that play? Yeah, that game turned. Let's see, most memory I have of that is, and I like Victor Green, but I think he bit on a maybe it was a double move by Ed. McCaffrey or what have you, but I think that's what opened the floodgates in uh, in that game. And uh, I think the Jets got on a roll in '98, but it was because I was at the second game of the year. That was against Baltimore, and they lost that game. And that's when uh, that ushered in the Vinny era because Glenn Foley got hurt. So again, I wish I had a few more better games. In- attending in person but nevertheless i was there for that second game of the of the 98 season and uh kind of saw the ushering in of Vinny. that's right it was a big year for Vinny, and then the next year it was more heartbreak because the jets looked like the afc favorite heading into the season john elway had retired denver had been the only team between the jets and the super bowl the year before and then week one against New England in the first half, just like a, a freak non-contact injury. Yeah. You know, he t- t- ruptures his Achilles. He's out for the year. Yeah. That old, you know, that old giant stadium turf probably may have played a role in it. You remember how bad that turf was? Yep. I mean, yep. That, absolutely. Yeah. Concrete turf. But yes, that game, we saw that on TV and just in disbelief. Like you say, you're all, as I'm sure any Jet fan would be all excited, but, as we know with the Jets, you know, like they say with the stock market, past performance doesn't guarantee future results. But, you know, it's just one of those things that you have to accept. But you, you just, uh, 
you didn't think so back in in 99. That was the last thing I thought was going to happen to start the season. Absolutely. And then Parcells retires after the season, and then we get into the year 2000, and a bunch of you know the Jets have a bunch of coaches in that that decade. You have Al Gro the one year, you have Herm, you have Mangini. And the Jets have some decent years. Yeah, the Jets were rarely terrible during that era. Uh, anything in particular stick out about those years prior to Rex? Yeah, I thought they were. You know, they would always be probably if you do look at it, they probably were maybe their most consistent uh, in their in their history. I mean, it's amazing the Jets have never managed to go to the playoffs three years in a row. I mean, I, I've i never looked that up, how many teams can claim that, but there, there can't be that many. But, uh, yeah, because they, they would be up. 2002 was an exciting season. I didn't see any games live, but certainly um, I got calls from a lot of friends and family when they went on that run with Chad was inserted, and that was Certainly an exciting uh, season there. Uh, and then he did it again, you know, in 2004. Uh, so there were some good uh, – there was definitely so many good years in, in that. And that's kind of when my wife and I would be able to attend a, a few games. We we saw a Steeler game. Um, I think that might have been a little later, 2007. And, of course, with all the Steeler fans there, the Jets won that game. It was it was late, but uh, when you beat the Steelers and that many fans, opposing fans in the stadium, that made it extra sweet. My father and my brother were at that game, and that's what they said. Now, my bro- one thing I need to say is my brother's a Steelers fan, so oh, my dad geez. got him. My dad got him tickets for his birthday, and my dad goes to this game, and he says, "Like I feel like I'm in Heinz Field. Like I'm the only Jets fan in our section." Well, the way that, you know, when you come off the turnpike, when we come up there, and then the, the little hump in the road, you you climb the little hump in the road, and then when you go down, and then we instantly just saw the parking lot, nothing but Steeler flags, and I thought, oh, my God. And so that, you know, you just get, my wife and I, we just get more uh, into the game and excited because we really want to send those people home a loser. <laughs> The uh, one of the few shining moments of the Kel- of Kellen Clemens's career Kellen with the Jets, Clemens. if I recall. That's, that's exactly right. Yes, that was exactly right. And I think it was a late field goal, but he had to drive him into into position. So that yeah. was a that was a nice ride home back to Pennsylvania. That was that was the shining moment for Kellen Clemens. It doesn't matter whether you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like ARNICA and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it easy even easier to try this duo and everything else CBDMD has to offer. They're offering our listeners 25% off your next order when you use promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONNFL, three words, 
L-O-C-K-E-D space, O-N space, N-F-L, for 25% off your your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Then we get to the Rex era, which, I mean, I think the first two years of Rex were, I would say, from what I know about Jets history, there have been like three great eras. There was the Namath era, there was the Sack Exchange era, and then there were the first couple of years with Rex Ryan. I would agree, yes. And that kind of co- coincided with uh, we were on a wait list for season. I always thought it would be fun to be a season ticket holder. And it just, I mean, they didn't have a, a wait list like, you know, the Packers or you know, probably even the Giants and, and many other storied franchises. But I believe we were on the list for probably close to 10 years. And in 2008, actually, the year right before Rex, I got this letter. And it said that your, you know, application for season tickets has been activated. Well, I kind of thought my sister is a big bit of a prankster. I thought she, and, and they all, my whole family, I take nothing but abuse for being Jet fans. They're all Eagle fans. So we're the lone Jet fans. I thought it was, she, it was a bit of a hoax. But, you know, when I called her on it, she said no. So, you know, that was uh that was exciting for us that we became season ticket holders in 2008. And then certainly that leads uh, Mangini's last year. And then that leads to Rex. And I think Rex was great for those two years, but I, I kind of think it, uh, you know, it ran its course rather quickly as I think we would all probably agree with. Yeah. I mean, for me, what it is with Rex, I think Rex is like a great coach for a veteran team, which is what he inherited where you have like a locker room of guys who kind of, uh, kind of set the tone. And I don't think Rex is as good with a younger team where maybe there needs to be like more discipline and you have more developing players. So that's always been like my interpretation of why Rex was successful the first two years. And then not as much after that. Well, that's why that's why you have a good podcast, John. That was very well said because I think you're absolutely right because he didn't seem to, you know, want to work in a lot of the uh, young players, and you know, he did. He had his better his veterans that he brought in, you know, Jimmy Leonard, of course, Bart Scott, and and such. So, you know, it was good for the franchise, and certainly that was, uh, you know, that was very exciting. We saw some some good games uh, in 2008 and 2009 was one of the rare games where our last, uh, our last game of the season didn't mean anything. So, you know, to go to a jet game and be able to put your feet up is a pretty rare, uh, pretty rare occurrence. That was a uh, Mark Brunel's one shining moment with the jets. If yeah. I recall. <laughs> oh. Yeah. We are, we are really hitting on some obscure jets backup quarterbacks in this show. Well, I guess I, I guess I should have jotted down all those that I saw. I mean, I, I'm sure I, I know I saw Namath a few times, but there could have been a couple of games where it might have been Bob Davis and, uh, you know, Kellen Clemens, Glenn Foley. So, yeah, I, I probably do have more backups than starters in my history of, uh, of attending live games. Oh, my first game was, I've told this story before, is when Neil O'Donnell got hurt in pregame warm-up. So my first oh, Jets starting geez. quarterback of the game was Frank Reich, who's now the Colts oh. coach of the Colts. Oh, my gosh. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, so I think this is another area. Once we get past 2010, I feel like that's another area where we want to just fast forward because last few years have not been great, and everybody remembers them. So 
why don't we talk about the press? Unless there's something you really want to talk about over the last decade. The only, the only thing, the only thing I'll mention from that era again, just I mean, uh, I I certainly it doesn't show my loyalty, but several years ago, you could purchase. Uh, I I don't remember the the name of the company, but you could purchase these uh, holiday houses. You could get a whole village. And you could get any NFL team. Well, I was a sucker for that. So we have the entire Jets village. It's like nine pieces of these illuminated houses. And you, you have a souvenir shop, train station, restaurant, et cetera, a little stadium. So, yeah, I arranged it for Christmas. But it, after the um, – I think it was the, the 99-yard Victor Cruz run. I was so distraught that what I decided to make in this village, is we had a church in our village, and I said, you know what, I'm going to make a, a cemetery. <laughs> and so what I did is I got this piece of little styrofoam, and then I got these wide popsicle sticks. I'd cut them off, and then I would write all of the misery of jet seasons and stick them in this styrofoam. And the way I wrote it with my Sharpie, the, the ink kind of ran, so it really looked authentic. And I would put things like Chad's shoulder and, uh, you know, Vinny's Vinny's Achilles. I'd write all these little, the mud bowl. I'd write all these things down. And that became part of my holiday decoration for that year. I was just so distraught over that game. And that's how, you know, Christmas was celebrated. So that's all I'll say about that. I mean, that game, that game ruined a lot of Christmases. (laughs) It really did. So let's talk about uh, just briefly. What are some of your thoughts on the current Jets? Well, I try to be optimistic. Uh, one thing that I do think, uh, I so far I really like Joe Douglas' approach. I think it's the approach that I think the Jets have needed since, say, the sack exchange era, when they had successful drafts, they had plentiful drafts. You know, you look at the Tannenbaum era, and I think Mike Tannenbaum was was good to a certain extent. But some of his draft picks, they yield like three players. So I'm encouraged from that standpoint. I'm uh, lukewarm on Adam Gates. Uh, you know, I don't want to pile on him. I, I guess I do feel he deserves this season to constantly change coaches after every season, obviously, is, is not successful. But there has to be market improvement this year. And there are some tough games on the schedule. But I, uh, I feel he's got to turn in a winning record to, uh, to continue on year three. All right. Well, is, is there anything else you'd like to say to our fans out there? Well, no, I really enjoyed this. I hope uh, I hope. Uh, at least to keep your ratings level <laughs> but it was really a lot of fun john so i, I really enjoyed talking with you and then i said to fred before we started recording that the uh pressure was on because he's he's coming he's following curtis yeah. martin but <laughs> yeah. yeah so so no i think that's it uh you know we're gonna enjoy uh we're gonna enjoy the season uh you know there obviously we're not going to any games uh so uh 
we'll uh, we'll be watching. I mean, I finally uh, also got rewarded from DirecTV after having that all these years in the Sunday ticket. They're giving that to me for free. So at least I'll see all 16 games this year. So that'll be nice. All right. Well, thank you. This was a great <laughs> chat. Really enjoyed uh, talking so, with you about the Jets. Don, thank you very much as well. And I'll, I'll be listening. Do a great job. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you like this show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. We will be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.